Welcome to the Lent Report Live. Happy almost Halloween. Now, I'm not sure if you caught SNL this weekend, but if you didn't, they had a great skit parroting Fran Drescher, who's the president of SAG-AFTRA, on her request for kids not to dress up like characters in the movies in order to support the strike. As a member of SAG-AFTRA, I can tell you that I do support the strike, but think she's gone a bit too far when it comes to Halloween costumes for kids. You can check out the clip on YouTube or just in our show notes and judge for yourself. A quick programming note, next week TLR will broadcast live on Tuesday, November 7th. On today's episode, Walmart, Aldi, and Costco begin the battle over Thanksgiving. Hybrid food halls are a thing. A panel of so-called scientists are defending ultra-processed foods. Really? And on Food Not Phones, Meta faces a lawsuit, in fact, a couple lawsuits, over our kids' mental health. And on the bullseye, a new brand of Kansas barbecue foods that Swifties will love. Let's get started. So, Sally, when we look, Thanksgiving is right around the corner. Uh, Walmart, Aldi, and Costco want to start a rumble. Uh, first, Walmart came out and they said 92% of their customers are concerned about inflation and the impact on the holidays. As a result, what they're saying is not necessarily what they're doing. What they're saying is they're going to remove inflation from two traditional Thanksgiving meal package options that you can buy either online or in-store. And when I say remove inflation, uh, yes, they're doing it on these two packages, but not across the board. More on that in a minute. One of the options comes with ingredients to create a Thanksgiving meal from scratch, and the other comes with ready-to-bake options. They're available starting November 1st, this Wednesday, through December 26th. And also, Walmart included the notice that they're going to close their stores on Thanksgiving for the fourth year in a row to give their employees time to celebrate. Costco has gone even further, uh, where they're selling a huge Thanksgiving dinner, includes five-pound turkey breast, stuffing, mashed potatoes, turkey gravy, mac and cheese, sweet corn, green beans, dinner rolls, cranberry relish, and apple pie. It sells for $199.99, works out to roughly $25 a person uh, if you have eight people. Now, you've got to place an order for it by November 5th, and the kits will be delivered between November 8th and 17th. A lot of food, and Thanksgiving is not till the 25th, so where are you going to store that if you get it on, on November 8th? Good luck. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure that it's really um, a great deal, except if you have lots of storage room. My choice, and then I want to get your opinion, Sally, is what Aldi is doing. Aldi has announced that it's slashing prices on Thanksgiving items by up to 50%. Uh, what I like about this versus the meal kit idea is you can pick and choose what you want. Um, with these with these kits, you've got to take what they've got in it. Um, and in the case of Aldi, um, everything from pumpkin pie mix to pie crust to cranberries to prosciutto to cheddar cheese and so on. Um, so I think it's really interesting. But the good news is, according to the Farm Bureau, 
that we should be able to pay less for Thanksgiving turkey this November because there's a improved uh, supply. If you remember last Thanksgiving, we had the problem with bird flu. Uh, 60 million birds had to be culled. Um, this year so far, um, there is a bird flu epidemic. It hasn't hit strong yet. It's in the hundreds of thousands of birds, uh, which is very containable. So if, in fact, it doesn't proceed, what the Farm Bureau is saying is the price is down so far, 22% this year over last year, and it can go down even further. Um, the full details on what a Thanksgiving feast, according to the Farm Bureau, and they've done this, I want to say for like 27 years, it'll be released on November 15th. Uh, last year, uh, they compared for three years, it's an average cost of 10 people. In 2020, it was $46.90. In 2021, $53.31. In 2022, $64.05. And hopefully it'll be down less. And what they include, very different than Costco or Walmart, um, a 16-pound turkey, 14-ounce bag of stuffing mix, two frozen pie crusts, half a pint of whipping cream, one pound of frozen peas. I didn't even realize people still ate peas. Um, a dozen dinner rolls, miscellaneous ingredients to prepare the meal, a 30-ounce can of pumpkin pie mix, one gallon of whole milk, three pounds of sweet potatoes, one pound veggie tray, and Cargill uh, just issued their report, Cargill's Future of the Turkey Study. And what they found is 86% of consumers report that they're planning to purchase whole turkey birds for Thanksgiving meals this year. Uh, previous year, previous two or three years, it wasn't the whole turkey. It was part. And they identified that 47% of consumers are worried about having too many leftovers when they buy a whole turkey. So don't buy the whole turkey. If you're concerned about using the leftovers, why buy the turkey? So what do you think of these deals? Are we going to have a war between supermarkets on Thanksgiving? Well, it sounds like there's going to be a lot of options out there. And I mean, who doesn't love leftovers? That's the best part about Thanksgiving in our house. We love it. Um, first off, I really find it very hard to believe, you know, according to this Farm Bureau report, that you can actually only spend $6.50 a person for a yep. Thanksgiving meal. We are finding that hard to do right now for just a regular a regular meal that a family is having. So so that is that seems a little unrealistic to me, but um I think that the 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 Walmart option I'm excited to see what they have to offer. I haven't seen what it's going to cost and exactly what is going to be in it. Um the Costco package, um like you said you need storage for that, but for someone who doesn't really like to cook all of these items from scratch, this could be a great deal. Um, but I'm with you, Phil, on Aldi, the 50% across the board on a lot of the, the items that they are, um, that they're selling during the holidays. A lot of those items are things that you can use to bake their ingredients, either it's butter, it's vanilla, it's things that you need to cook your own food and seeing those items um, significantly lower than they normally are. I really believe it's going to be very appealing to to consumers this year and that they're going to end up saving a lot more money going that route. 
I agree with you. And also, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go to Aldi and not just get those ingredients for Thanksgiving, but there's other things that I can buy at 50% off and keep them in the cupboard. Or yes. even with butter, you know, I'll, I'll freeze butter, I'll wrap it in aluminum foil, then put it in a, you know, freezer bag, Ziploc freezer bag, and then you could put it in your freezer. And, you know, with these kind of discounts, why not stock up? It's It's a great time to stock up as well. So from the Wall Street Journal, uh, come to report that food halls are rapidly multiplying in the suburbs as developers aim to capitalize on the rise of hybrid work and the foodie culture. Now, what's interesting, um, unlike what you find in, in shopping malls, these food halls are basically not, um, you know, franchisees of Burger King or Auntie Annie's or Cinnabon. These are local restaurants that are participating in these food halls. And what's interesting is last year, there were about 120 of these food halls throughout the nation. Now there's at least 364, according to Cushman and Wakefield, uh, the realtor group. And a lot of them are used to be in New York. Um, and now you have them in Omaha, Nebraska, Grapevine, Texas, Reno Public Market, Selma, North Carolina. And what's so interesting about this is unlike their typical food hall that's been focused on lunch, they're really focused on getting young families for dinner. Yes, this is this is really cool. Um, you know, we've heard talk about um, when the shutdown happened and more people started working from home or in hybrid situations that um, that these food halls in the suburban area started to appeal to those people that are working from home. And imagine you're all of a sudden working from home and um, you want to go out and um, and have some lunch. You you might want to be in that environment uh, that feels like a community and it feels like um, you're around you other know, people. people Absolutely. Yes, they're sharing seating. And so it does sound very appealing in that way. And, you know, for families, I know as a mom myself who has children that eat very, my two children eat very differently. I have one that's a vegetarian and one that's not. And so it's fun for us to go to the food hall here in Nashville. We have a really great one called Assembly Food Hall. And it's fun for us to go there because there is something for everyone there. It is. It's convenient. It's less expensive. And um, what this report also pointed out is some pundits are saying that when people go out, they want white tablecloth experiences. Well, not everybody does, especially if you've got kids. And also that white tablecloth experience costs a lot more than going to a food hall. And, you know, um, I was just in Philadelphia for Expo East and across the way from the convention hall is one of the most famous food halls in Philadelphia. And um, when you walk into it, there's a lot of excitement. It's great. You know, you, you have all these aromas. You have all these people enjoying food. So to your point, it's a lot about the community as well. And as long as all these um, food halls remain true to their community and have local restaurants and local foods, I think it's going to continue to grow once they start bringing in the Dunkin' Donuts you know, franchises goes downhill. So 
I am mortified uh, from a report in The Guardian. Um, there was just a panel of sci scientists, three out of five scientists on an expert panel, suggest that ultra-processed foods are being unfairly demonized and they have would they and they have ties to the world largest manufacturers of the products um so you know we've talked about it here there's been a lot of studies uh that have linked these ultra processed foods including ice cream sodas ready meals um to poor health including the increased risk of cancer weight gain and heart disease uh, the global consumption is on the rise of these products and these products now make up half of the average diet, both here in the U.S. and in the U.K., and this group that was organized by the Science Media Center um, had headlines like, ultra-processed foods, good as homemade fare. Um, ultra-processed foods can be good for you, say nutritionists. Ultra-processed foods can sometimes be better for you, experts claim. And then they go on to talk about the fact that these three experts have been uh, funded by major food companies. Seriously, how can they get away with this? Because it's just confusing to consumers. We've got the science. We see consumers moving away from ultra-processed foods, which is great. We see food brands moving away from ultra-processed foods and cleaning up their labels and their ingredients and their processes. And then you have something like this that consumers are probably just sitting there scratching their heads saying, what's going on? So, Sally, what's going on? Right, Phil. Uh, this this is a shame. It is a shame to hear um, experts speak this way about these foods, especially since lately, you know, we can't get away from research and studies that are coming out that are in the news that are about how highly addictive ultra processed foods are. Um, you know, some science is saying that it, that ultra-processed foods are as addictive as smoking. So that's pretty serious. We're hearing about how they contribute to a range of diseases, um, including heart disease, including diabetes, including um, chronic obesity. Um, so we know that these foods are not playing a great role um, in our lives and in our diets. Um, on the other hand, our processed foods um, can play a role um, sometimes in our diets in moderation, and sometimes they are necessary and affordable for some families that cannot afford to purchase uh, more expensive products. And sometimes these processed foods are fortified with ingredients that make them a little bit better. But to hear scientists saying, you know, that ultra-processed foods are not bad for you, that they can be better for you than other foods is irresponsible and reckless. And, um, and, you know, we need to make sure that consumers understand where this information is, is coming from and to be able to know how credible that information is. Absolutely. And, and our friend Marion Nessel on Food Politics in her newsletter every day talks about the need for whether it's a research study or a panel like this that really is very upfront about who's funding it. And she does that every single day. And I have to tell you something. We need people like Marion Nessel out there really exposing who's paying these dollars to get this information out there for then, to your point, being able to determine whether or not this is quality information 
or it's certainly somewhat skewed. On food news, food not bones today, uh, we're reporting and discussing the fact that 41 states are suing Meta, previously Facebook, claiming that Instagram and Facebook are addictive. What's up with this lawsuit? Yes, Phil, 41 states and D.C. are suing Meta, and they are saying that they have um, built in features that are addictive for children and unhealthy for children, that these that these features are contributing to mental health issues among young people. Um, one specific uh, mental health issue pointed out through Instagram is the um, rise in eating disorders in particularly young girls by what they are seeing on Instagram and Facebook. These claims are saying that the company was aware um, of what the, the consequences could be of um, these actions they were taking in, um, in these features and how they were collecting data and, and children's pri privacy um, was being exploited. Um, they're saying that you know the company knew and moved forward regardless. And when we look at this complaint, it's a federal complaint, 233 pages, um, it alleges that the company engaged in a scheme to exploit young users for profit. Um, in all fairness, um, in 2021, when that Facebook whistleblower exposed these reports, um, they've unveiled numerous policy and product changes intended to make its apps safer for kids, including giving parents tools to track activity, building in warnings that urge teens to take a break from social media, and implementing stricter privacy settings for default for young users. But the reality is, how many people are looking at that? How many parents are really using these kinds of tools? And if nothing else, this lawsuit will hopefully uh, bring all of social media in, into a realm of trying to help parents not thwart them. And we have another Food Not Phones event coming up, don't we? Yes, we do. And I'm very excited for this challenge because I've been prepping my family. We are already in the habit, Phil, of no one using their phones when we have dinner together, and which was really harder for the adults, actually, than it was the children. Ah. Uh, but very excited about Thanksgiving coming up because we're going to have some other family members joining us. And we're going to put a little basket up on our counter and we're just going to have everybody put their phones in that basket and then enjoy our meal together. That's great. So if you want more information about the Thanksgiving challenge, just go to food.phones.com or check us out on social media to get the latest information on the next Food Not Phones challenge. Thanks, Sally. On today's Bullseye, Kansas City's barbecue roots can be traced back to the early 20th century, when Henry Perry, known as the father of Kansas City Barbecue, began selling smoked meats from a cart in the garment district. His operation eventually moved to a permanent location, becoming the city's first barbecue restaurant. Unlike other barbecue traditions that may focus on a single meat, for example, in Texas, it's all about beef brisket, Kansas City Barbecue is known for its diverse range of smoked meats, including pork, beef, chicken, and even fish. One of the most distinctive features of Kansas City Barbecue is the sauce. It's typically thick, tomato-based, and both sweet and tangy 
often made with molasses and brown sugar. This sauce is liberally applied to the smoked meats. Following Henry Perry's pioneering establishment, many other barbecue joints opened up, and Kansas City soon became the major hub for barbecue enthusiasts. In fact, the American Royal World Series of Barbecue, hosted every year in Kansas City, is the world's largest barbecue competition. It attracts teams from around the world and has been instrumental in promoting the city's barbecue culture. While Kansas City barbecue has deep-rooted traditions, many modern-day chefs and pitmasters have introduced innovative techniques and flavors. Today, we even find dishes that incorporate global flavors while maintaining the essence of traditional barbecue. When we walk up and down the aisles and scour the supermarket shelves, we find tons of Kansas City barbecue sauces from restaurants. Gates Barbecue, Arthur Bryan's, Joe's Kansas City, by the way, that's Travis Kelsey's favorite, more on him in a bit, Fiorello's Jack Stack, Burnt Finger, and brands like Cowtown, and of course, KC Masterpiece, which was originally founded in Kansas City, but is not associated with any restaurant. Entered Travis Kelsey. You know, the guy who's become a multimedia sensation, both for his football prowess, as well as dating Taylor Swift. And he's introduced a new line of refrigerated entrees, Travis Kelsey's Kitchen. It's inspired by Kansas City's most iconic flavors and exclusively being sold at select Walmart stores. The new line features seven dishes, including bacon mac and cheese, which is a Kansas City classic, with jumbo macaroni noodles coated in a decadent cheddar cheese sauce infused with bacon morsels, brisket burnt ends and barbecue sauce that has cuts of beef, slow-cooked, caramelized, and topped with a signature Kansas City barbecue sauce, barbecue baked beans with burnt ends, baked black beans and white kidney beans topped with brown sugar, bacon, and onions that are then paired with seasoned beef brisket burnt ends. Then there's brisket burnt ends with mac and cheese, which is a combination of jumbo macaroni and a cheddar cheese sauce, complemented with charred and seasoned beef brisket burnt ends. They're big on burnt. Sliced brisket in barbecue sauce, which is brisket infused with the rich and smoky aroma of Kansas City-style barbecue sauce. Then there's barbecue baked beans with sausage baked black beans, sorry, and white kidney beans, which are enhanced with a smoky barbecue flavor, sweetened with brown sugar and enriched with bacon and aromatic onions, then complemented by tender pork sausage. Then there's sausage and meatball marinara with peppers and onions, sliced pork sausage with cheesy pork and beef meatballs in a marinara sauce with bell peppers and red onions. Now, they retail between $8.17 and $12.78 each, depending on the variety. I have to be fair. I haven't tasted the entrees. This was just announced last week, so I can't comment on the flavor or taste. And I just received a couple hours ago the ingredients and the nutritionals. More on those in a bit. But based on the current fervor over the Swift-Kelsey romance and seeing what it's done to the attendance and viewership of Kelsey's games, not to mention the viewership spike for SNL's guest appearances, I would say this is a brilliant move by Walmart. This past April, Kelsey also hosted and curated 
Kelsey Jam, a food and music festival that highlighted the best food vendors in Kansas City. And of course, a special from his go-to Joe's Kansas City Barbecue. If Walmart promotes these products properly, I can only imagine the new Swifties obsessed coming into Walmart, perhaps for the very first time. Here's the problem and potential downside. The athlete's well-known diet consists of steaks, chops, and chicken, and according to his personal chef, Kumar Ferguson, everything he eats is for fuel, comfort, hydration, and nutrition. Kelsey even told the Food Network that Ferguson, who's a childhood friend, has helped him keep on the right path by eating three fresh meals a day and has helped him in nutrition and being able to eat better, cleaner, and the right ingredients. His personal diet criteria doesn't translate to these fresh meals. The mac and cheese, the first one that I described, back panel that I received shows that one serving, which is eight ounces, half of the 16-ounce package, contains 350 calories. That's great, but it has 18 grams of fat, 1,130 milligrams of sodium, 32 grams of carbs. The good news is that it also has 13 grams of protein and no added sugars. But I wish that the recipe stuck to Travis's own diet regimen and clean up the ingredients, especially as they put his picture on the back of the package. If they do that, the brand could be used. Authenticity is key. Be sure to visit supermarketguru.com for the latest marketing analysis issues and trends. And don't forget to join us back here next Monday at 2.30 p.m. Eastern for more.